This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee. A controversial bill requiring women under the age of 18 to get parental consent for an abortion is up for a vote in the Senate Health Policy Committee. Last month, opponents ran out the clock and delayed the bill. That will not happen today. The Sadowski Coalition is backing bills that say money in the state's affordable housing trust fund should actually be spent on affordable housing. That may sound like common sense, which is why it doesn't happen in the Capitol. Lawmakers have been using it as a slush fund ever since the Great Recession. A veteran Tallahassee lobbyist who helped Republicans take control of state government in Tallahassee back in the 80s and 90s has just switched parties so he can vote in the Democratic primary for president in March. A Senate committee votes today on a bill that creates financial incentives for TV and movie makers to film their shows in the Sunshine State. John Lux, who runs Film Florida, joins us in the studio today to dispute claims that this is nothing more than corporate welfare. We'll also check out your daily calendar of events, and our daily Florida Man segment highlights two cases of religious discrimination. We're talking about Santeria and the Satanic Temple. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, December 10th. The Senate Health Policy Committee meets this morning to vote on a controversial bill by Republican Senator Kelly Stargell of Lakeland that would require parental consent before minors can have abortions. Florida law already requires parents to be notified if their daughters are planning to have one. Stargell's bill would go further by requiring parental consent, not just notification. In the same way that we've required parental notice in multiple other areas and parental consent um, in areas that are much less uh, uh, important, such as tattooing, ear piercing, those things require parental consent as well. I think it's only prudent to require parental consent in something as serious as having a medical procedure. Right now, the situation is a child can just get a, a, a casual note or be told or, or not even the, the securities that you would have had in the past and be able to be further victimized by having a quiet abortion and come back again and a quiet abortion and come back again. And there's nobody who intervenes on behalf of this child. That's why I feel so strongly for this bill. The majority of children do not fall into that minority of kids who are abused. A person like me, a person like you, who I was also, I thought for sure my mother would kill me when I told her that I was pregnant underage. It was a wonderful time in our relationship when I did tell my mother that I was pregnant. She advised me to have an abortion. I chose not to have the abortion. But through that process, we are closer. I have other family members who didn't do that. They went on and had the abortion. And there's been a forever wedge in that relationship because the person feels the guilt from never including their family members in something this vital, the person who's shown them unconditional love. That's why I feel so strongly for this bill. In theory, this bill only affects minors. But Lauren Brenzel with Planned Parenthood says it's part of a plan to roll back abortion rights for women of all ages. This Trojan horse of a bill poses a dire threat to all abortion rights in Florida. Forced parental consent laws, like Senate Bill 404, have been shown to put youth at risk in even more danger. But the truth is that if this bill becomes law in Florida, it will put all of our abortion rights at risk. One of the key backers of this bill, Senator Dennis Baxley, admitted recently that passing this legislation is the first step in a much larger and more sinister plan to have our constitutional right to privacy reinterpreted so that access to abortion is wiped out in Florida. Well, Senator Baxley, we're here today to put you and your fellow senators on notice that we will not stand for your secret agenda to ban abortion in Florida. Stargell's proposal was heard by the Health Policy Committee last month. There was a lengthy debate and they ran out of time before a vote could be taken. That will not happen again. 
Here's a novel idea, a bill that says money from Florida's affordable housing trust fund should actually be spent on affordable housing. For more than a decade, state lawmakers have swept money from the trust fund for other projects, and Representative Sam Killebrew of Winter Haven says that has to stop. During the Great Recession, we needed to use all the available monies to balance the budget, but when the recession ended, sweeping trust funds did not. The intent of the bill is to stop the normalization of sweeping the housing trust funds so that we can help Florida's workforce, our elderly, our veterans, and people with disabilities living in fixed incomes and live in safe housing that they can afford. Senator Debbie Mayfield of Rockledge is sponsoring the bill in the upper chamber. She says the Affordable Housing Trust Fund has helped more than 4,000 Florida families buy a home. And a lot more could have been done if lawmakers had just kept their hands out of that trust fund. There is a sense of pride in owning your own home, and that's what this, this program provides people and their families, a sense of pride of owning their own home, knowing that they have a place to go to every single day when they come home from work or they come home from school. And that is also what the Stowski Funds aims to accomplish by providing these down payment assistance um, in order for people to be able to afford to get into their own home. It also provides the stability with families by knowing they have a place of their own that they can go to. That's where the Sadowski Coalition comes in. Jamie Roth says they have 32 statewide organizations with millions of members, and they all have one goal, to stop lawmakers from using the affordable housing money as a slush fund for their pet projects. But sensible as it seems to the everyday person in the state that the housing trust funds should be used solely for housing, we continue to see an annual sweep of millions of housing dollars. And the consequence is a deepening housing crisis in Florida with all the attendant negative consequences to our workforce and our most vulnerable citizens as they struggle unsuccessfully to find housing that's affordable. Every constituency in the state of Florida is represented in the Sadowski Coalition and we only have one message. Use the housing trust funds for housing. Over the past decade, Florida lawmakers have swept more than $2 billion from the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. Something I never thought I would say, Max Stepanovich is now registered to vote as a Democrat. Mac ran Ronald Reagan's Florida campaign in 84 and the Bob Martinez campaign for governor in 86 and 90. He also worked as chief of staff during the four years Martinez served as governor and was part of the first wave of the GOP that would eventually take control of state government. He's been a top lobbyist in Tallahassee ever since. Stepanovich is also one of the original never-Trumpers, and his opposition to the president is why he switched parties, if only for the primary in March. On his Facebook page, Stepanovich says he'll be voting for the Democrat nearest the center with the best chance to win the nomination and the election in November. But this is not a permanent change. Stepanovich told Florida politics reporter Jacob Ogles he plans to register as a Republican before the state primaries in August and then vote for the least Trumpian candidate in every single primary race. After the primary, he'll revert to his default registration of NPA, no party affiliation. The State Ethics Commission has concluded there was no probable cause to suspect that Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas was improperly using a state vehicle for personal use when he was involved in a traffic accident two years ago. An ethics complaint had been filed last year by Democrat Jeremy Ring, who ran against the CFO and lost. Ring claimed Petronas had been using the car for campaign purposes, making the trip a misuse of state resources for personal activities. The CFO issued a statement saying he's pleased with the outcome, and he thanked the Ethics Commission and their staff for the work. Next up, we talk with John Lux of Film Florida to ask if there's any future for movie and TV production in Florida now that lawmakers have stopped giving incentives to filmmakers. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. 
We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the 2018 midterms, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Welcome back to Sunrise. The Senate Commerce and Tourism Committee is scheduled to vote today on a proposal by Chairman Joe Gruders of Sarasota to create a rebate program to offer incentives for film, television, and digital media production in Florida. Our studio guest today is John Lux, executive director of an organization called Film Florida, and he'll be doing whatever he can to try to get that bill approved. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks for having me. First of all, tell me where we came from. Florida used to be a player in the movie and TV business, and we are not anymore. That's correct. Uh, A little more than a decade ago, Florida was number three in the country for film and television production uh, in terms of a location. And now we're really not even on the radar for most film and television productions because we're not as competitive as most states in America. What are some Florida productions that people would recognize, things that were shot here because of the previous film incentives? Well, one of the biggest ones is uh, Bloodline, which was on down USA in the, Networks. On US, uh, well, actually, Bloodline was um, Netflix. Netflix. Um, okay. Burn Notice was USA Network. Gotcha. Both of those benefited from the previous program. Uh, another television series that was on USA was called Graceland. That was a huge one. And of course, one of the biggest uh, films in the last decade here in Florida was Dolphin Tale over in Clearwater. Right. But that's not happening anymore. Why is that? Why are we are where we are now? Essentially, uh, we're one of only 17 states that does not have a program to entice film, television, and digital media projects to the state. And so we're at a competitive disadvantage. Unfortunately, we're the only state in the Southeast. If you go from New Mexico all the way over to Delaware on a map, we're the only state in that region without a program, which makes it very difficult to convince projects to come here. That's not to say that some don't anyway, um, but to put it in perspective, over the last 18 months or so, we've had 15 really nice, good projects, and we're thrilled with that because it's an improvement over the last couple of years. But the perspective is that in that same fiscal year period, Georgia had 399 projects that that spent more than $2.9 billion. So while we're happy with 15 in a year, They have 40 this month alone. And so we're trying to get more of those jobs, more of that spending here in the state of Florida, because we have 50,000 Floridians that work in our industry. And a lot of them are forced with the predicament of, do I pick up and move my entire family out of state where I can get more work? Some leave their families for weeks and months at a time and basically cause single family homes because the husband or the wife that work in the industry are often Georgia or North Carolina or Texas or California earning money to send back home. Meanwhile, those people are spending money in other states instead of spending it here in, in Florida. So I imagine it must drive you crazy every time you watch a show and at the very end you see that peach and made in Georgia. It is infuriating, especially since we know that some of those projects that have the Florida peach wanted to film here in our state and we've lost them. In the last couple of years, we've lost more than 70 projects, major film and television projects that wanted to film in Florida that we weren't able to win. And so that's $1.3 billion of direct spending that would have been in Florida 
Floridians pockets and in the Florida economy, but rather is elsewhere. Okay. Now, every time this comes up, Americans for Prosperity comes at you full guns. They just claim this is corporate welfare. What's the response to that? Well, welfare is when you give something and that's the end of it. In this situation, what Senator Gruder's and Representative Buchanan's bill have done is made sure that the return on investment for the state of Florida is better than what they would put out. So it's not corporate welfare when you're going to give a dollar and return more than that dollar to the state coffers, the state tax revenues that they're going to generate from these projects. The, the program that they have devised is really, really creative in that, in that, um, that way. How is this sure. different from the – it used to be just a cash grant. This is not that, correct? Well, this is a cash rebate. Right. Um, so the, the highlights of the bill that make it as fiscally conservative to ensure that ROI is that the 70% uh, of a project must be filmed here in Florida, which alleviates the drop-in, somebody that's going to come here to shoot – uh, location shots and then leave. No, they have to set up routes here for the entire project. More than 60% of the cast and crew have to be Florida residents, and that doesn't include extras. So really? you okay. can you can bring some cast and crew from other states. That's fine because they're going to spend money and they're going to stay in hotels, and that's fine. But 60% of the main cast and crew must be Florida residents or Florida companies, which means uh, Floridians are the ones that are benefiting from the, this, this uh, rebate program. And then the things that really make it from the ROI perspective is it's a lower base percentage in terms of the rebate than in previous uh, programs. And the cap per project is lower as well to make sure that whatever uh, appropriation we're, we, we're able to get whenever that happens is going to go longer, last for more projects and more jobs and more money being spent here in the state. Okay. What's the ask as far as total dollars for the first year? Well, right now, the, the, the bill SB 530 and HB 497 don't have an appropriation. That, frankly, is above my pay grade to, to figure that out. The goal here is to get the language through some committees, and at the appropriate time, the legislators will figure out what, if anything, they can appropriate, and hopefully something gets in there. And is, your, is Speaker Oliva your biggest concern? Well, yeah. I mean, he's made it very known that that just economic development in general is not something he's a fan of. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're focused on uh, we have great support in the Senate. And by and large, we have very strong support in the House. We're very we're thrilled with the support that we've received from many legislators. Um, I, I can't control what the speaker uh, wants to do. You know, our, our job is to put uh, our industry in the best position for success. And then what happens in the legislature, you know, we, we don't have control over that. We want to continue to educate legislators on why our industry is important and why this is a good program for the entire state of Florida. And we see where things go from there. And this all comes down to dollars. The jobs in, in the film industry, are they, are they decent? Or are they the typical Florida jobs that play just about minimum wage and maybe not much money. Well, that's a great point. Um, according to labor market statistics, an average job in the film and television industry in Florida is over $82,000 a year, when the average for all jobs in Florida is around 50. So our jobs are significantly higher wage. They're blue collar and white collar jobs. They're, it's a green, clean industry, which is very important for the state of Florida right now. So we kind of think that we're an industry that we want to take into the future uh, for the for Florida's economy. Our guest today on Sunrise has been John Lux, Executive Director of Film Florida. Good luck on the vote today, John. Thank you so much.
Your calendar of events today begins with the House Judiciary Committee. They're holding a workshop on mental health and the criminal justice system. That's at 830 in the House Office Building. The House Education Committee meets at 930 in the HOB. They'll be dealing with presentations about school choice. The Senate Agriculture Commission... The Senate Agriculture Committee gets an update from the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services at 10 this morning about hemp rulemaking and about Citrus Mutual and the state of the citrus industry. The Senate Criminal Justice Committee meets at 10 to talk about a bill requiring public school health courses to include information about the dangers and signs of human trafficking. Florida Tax Watch will be joined by State Senator Bill Monford and Florida education leaders at the Capitol at 10 to announce this year's Principal Leadership Award winners. The House Higher Education Appropriations Subcommittee meets at 1230 to consider dozens of bills seeking money for programs or projects at Florida colleges and universities. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed and State Representative Geraldine Thompson are holding a press conference at the Capitol at 1 to call for exoneration of the Groveland Four. The case involves four black men who were accused in 1949 of raping a white woman in Lake County. The House Appropriations Committee meets at 4 in the Knott Building to hear presentations about the governor's new budget. The Florida Public Service Commission meets at 9.30 to discuss several issues, including a plan by Tampa Electric Company to reduce base rates temporarily to offset a reduction in their state corporate income taxes. The U.S. Department of Agriculture will provide an updated forecast for the current citrus growing season. That's at noon. Lawmakers, faith leaders, and working moms will hold a press conference at 3.45 this afternoon to announce the filing of a paid family leave bill for the upcoming session. It's called the Family Act. It's sponsored by Senator Janet Cruz and Representative Tracy Davis. State political candidates and committees face a deadline today for filing reports that show their financial activities through the end of November. And time now for the Florida Man File, featuring two stories about religious freedom under attack in the Sunshine State. American Airlines is apologizing to a Florida woman who was ordered to cover her shirt or get off the plane because it was offending the crew. 49-year-old Swati Goyal Key West is a member of the Satanic Temple and was wearing a black t-shirt with the words, Hail Satan, established in 666. It also featured an upside-down cross. Goyal had to don one of her husband's shirts after an attendant informed her the ironic t-shirt offended the crew. The crew even delayed takeoff before she agreed to make the swap. But here's the thing. The Satanic Temple is a legitimate church, and the airline says it does not tolerate discrimination. So they have apologized to the woman, offered to refund her tickets, and pledged to continue their investigation of the crew's actions. Finally, a Florida man is being evicted from a senior housing complex for what the Fort Myers Housing Authority is calling violent, disruptive behavior. However, 68-year-old Mamberto Real says the real reason he's getting the boot is his religion, Santeria. He was cited by the housing authority for wearing a scary mask, throwing holy water in the dining room, dancing inappropriately, and being observed blowing white powder toward residents. Real is challenging the eviction order in court. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee and inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. Also reminding you that Velcro is a ripoff. <laughs>